0: Amen. So uh, Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter three tonight is part eight of the Believers Toolbox. Uh, part eight of the Believers Toolbox, and this part eight is repentance. And so, uh, in preparation for this, this portion, uh, I, you know, in the studies and stuff that I look up different things, and one of the things I came across was the definition for the word repent. In the Oxford Dictionary, which is modern English, uh, the definition for repent is this, to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. Now, if you are familiar with the idea of repentance, you understand that this definition in reality is only a part of the true meaning. You see, our culture as a whole comes against the idea of true repentance. Be you. Be who you are. You do you. You're perfect the way you are. And our enemy knows that if we can be satisfied with this false idea of repentance, then we will not truly repent in areas of our lives or with our whole life. You see, repentance is a crucial everyday part of a Christian's life, thus making it a part of the toolbox. Which is why the word the world wants to redefine it and weaken our idea of what it truly means. And so tonight uh, the goal is that we will better understand how to use this tool in our walk with God so that we can bear fruit in repentance and live a life more fully In Christ. So let's look at our text tonight. Matthew chapter 3, one verse, which is verse 2. The words of John the Baptist, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's pray. Father God, we need your help tonight, Lord. Let your Spirit, God, dwell amongst us in this place, God, that you would fill this place, Lord, with your presence, Lord, that we would hear you, hear directly from you this evening. God, that you would help us and encourage us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So repent. Repent from what, right? That's the issue today in today's day and age, as I said, is the idea of repentance is counterculture today. The, the idea of today is you be you. You're perfect the way you are. You're ex- you should be accepted the way you are. And you know, in some elements of that idea, there is some truth to there, right? But on a spiritual level, there's nothing true about that. You see, we need to repent because we are headed before we're saved down the path of destruction. Jesus speaks of this path in Matthew 7:13. He says, "Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter it by it are many." This is the path that we either tonight are on or once were on, depending on the status of your soul. But Jesus gives us a clear warning about the path that people are on. This path that we tend to gravitate to because it's wide and easy is the path to destruction. The wide path, the easy path, a.k.a. the ways of the world living in the flesh, What does this path look like right i can say the wide and easy path and you might think okay well obviously jesus says that leads to destruction so i don't really want to go that way but what does that really mean well we could talk about that all night i encourage you read your bible you'll figure out what that means But there's one text in particular that covers a lot of it. It's Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And Paul writes this. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. So the works of the flesh. In other words, the trends of the wide and easy path. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, rivalries, yeah. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and just in case he didn't cover anything, he says, and things like these. <laughs> I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, you start off on this list, right? And you, some people hear this, they go, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, I'm doing good so far, and then he starts getting things like enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, and then then we start to think, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Right? I mean, sorcery, right? Nobody here is wearing a wizard hat. And oftentimes, we forget that that doesn't actually always mean just that, but that's a whole other conversation. But these are the things that we do on the, on the wide and easy path. These are the things that we, that we do in the ways of the world that need repented of. Because Jesus says, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. What is destruction? Not inheriting the kingdom of God. These two verses go hand in hand. You can put them side by side to give you some context as to what Jesus is truly talking about. And he's warning us. He's warning mankind that, sure, the path might be easy now, but later it will, it will destroy you. It will be your end. Proverbs fourteen twelve through 16 says there is a way that seems right to a man, the wide and easy path. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and at the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with the spirit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. So verse 12, the way that seems right to a man, right? The path of least resistance, the wide and easy. That's the way that seems right, right? We go, oh, it's got to hop on this highway and it's cruising. Seems right. But our proverb says, but it's the way to death. Think about this. Verse 13 is, is one of these texts that I like to share with people who, who, who you know, try to act like they're always happy, but you can, I said it this morning, you can see the pain in their eyes. And, and generally, it kind of hits right, right at home. Verse 13 says, Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. That these people, as people of the world, they go all day long and they're seeking the next laugh or the next entertaining thing that they watch tv shows endlessly because if they don't their mind is on the reality of their life but as soon as the lights go out as soon as the head hits the pillow all the grief that they were trying to run from all the pain that they were trying to mask it surfaces and it shows itself no matter how much fun they may have had that day they lay down at the end of the night and they feel the weight of all the pain they feel Because the way that seems right to a man is the way to death. The laughter fades to heartache. The joy turns to grief. So what do we do as people, as mankind, as people who deal with these struggles? What do we do? Verse 16, one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. What do we do? We repent. We turn away from evil ways. That's what repentant is. Repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God. A kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, we talked about the Oxford Dictionary's definition of repentance, but what is the real definition of repentance? The word in our text tonight, repentance in the Greek word, is metaneo, which means to change one's mind or purpose and to think differently afterwards. So, taking it completely out of spiritual context, right? I'm an android guy, okay? I've, I've used Android phones for years. Some of you guys are iPhone people. I don't know why. But I, we could, in theory, and I'm not trying to convince anybody, but we could sit down and have a conversation, and I could explain to you why Android is better than iPhone, and if I've convinced you, and you go sell your iPhone, and you buy an Android, you've repented from Apple. That's the idea, right? It's a very simple concept. Something changes your mind about the way you were living before, and then you take action on that changing of your minds. So I could sit here, and I could read through Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and I could say, listen, brother, or listen, sister, the way you're living in sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and so on and so forth is sinful, and it's not right, and you can look me in the eyes and say, I know you're right, I believe the word of God, I know it's true, but then there's no change. There is no repentance. Repentance is changing your mind and following it with a change of action. Essentially, biblical repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling bad about them or regret for things you have done, which is accompanied by a commitment to actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 speaks of this idea of repentance. It says, for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death, right? People in the world feel grief. They feel regret, but they never feel okay about it. Even people in the church struggle with this at times when they do a certain thing or they act a certain way. They have a hard time moving past it, right? We pray and ask for forgiveness and God's like, boom, as far as the east is from the west, it's done. But yet we still keep bringing it back to our mind. And that's understandable. That's a, that's a struggle of mankind. But nonetheless, what, I, what this text is telling us, that godly grief, so in other words, we look at who we are and we stink. And we look at who Jesus is, and he's perfect, and we feel bad about that, but we acknowledge that he died for our sins, we accept the gift of salvation, and we are so grateful for that forgiveness that we try our best to live perfectly from then forward. Of course, as we know, like we talked about this morning, we're all dumb sheep. So every now and then, we end up in dumb situations. But nonetheless, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Repentance, a changing of mind and changing of direction. Christian repentance is hearing the gospel, seeing your own sin, and responding to that with remorse and a desire to live better within the new life that Christ brings to us. Worldly grief is... Why is my life this way? Why can't I change? Why can't I be different? Why am I always in this situation? Because in the world, no matter how hard we try, we can't make us better. Maybe in some levels, maybe in some elements, but we can never cure the issues of our soul. You see, Christians and non-Christians alike feel grief for their bad choices. That's normal. But living in the world, when you feel this grief, but have no solution, then oftentimes our solution is to go deeper into sin. Deeper into the things that the world is telling us will fix our problems, will help us feel better. Oh, the, you know, the little bit of money that you thought would get to make you feel good didn't mean it, so maybe a little bit more money. Or, or the faster car, maybe a faster car, or the beautiful woman, or maybe another, or whatever it is. It's like the idea of the, of the gambler who gets into debt gambling, right? He's not very good at it, loses a ton of money, money he doesn't even have. So what do they do? They gamble more to try to get out of their debt. They gamble with, they, they got into the situation with bad choices, and so they think to get out of this bad situation, I must make more bad choices. <laughs> you see, that seldomly works with gambling but it never works with sin. The world is weighed down by worldly grief that only leads to their death. But godly grief in response to the gospel produces repentance that leads to salvation with no regret. So why repent? And how many times do I have to do it? Right, we, A lot of times in modern context, speaking of repentance, it's like that one-time deal when you accept Jesus into your life. You repent and you go forward with your life. Why repent? Well, Jesus says in Luke 13, 3, very plainly, unless you repent, you will perish. Mildly paraphrased, but it actually says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Need I say more? We're not talking about like a, I'm dead, perish. We're talking about eternal perishing. Jesus says, plain and clear, repent or perish. There is no middle ground. There is no alternative. There is no other choices. Acts chapter 3, verse 17 through 21 says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as, you, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. You see, Peter makes it clear. He give, in fact, he gives them a little bit of an out. He says at the beginning, he says, I know that you acted in ignorance. <laughs> How many know sometimes that ain't really actually true? Right? Sometimes we do dumb stuff and we knew it was dumb before we did it. But he's, he's being gentle. He's saying, I know you acted in ignorance, but today is the time for repentance. He makes it clear. We sinned, but Christ came to suffer for our sins. So we must repent so that our sins can be blotted out by his sacrifice. And then, that's what he says, and then repent and then life anew. Times of refreshing come from the Lord. See, the world doesn't always feel refreshing. Even when we're saved, even when we're right with God, even when we're trying to walk with Him, we don't always feel so refreshed by the things that are going on in the world, even the things that are happening to us in the world. But living saved does. Living right with God does. Living a life of repentance does. That we can face the the ridiculousness that we face in the world, but we can still have a refreshing feeling within us that we can feel refreshed in great times of turmoil. Repentance is a key factor in our response to salvation. We say to Jesus, Jesus, you died for the cleansing of my sins, so my response is to turn away from that sin and work hard to live pure. Somebody comes in here and pays off all your credit card debt, you go, Sweet! Can rack up my credit card debt again. You just end up right where you came from, right? Yeah. Jesus comes in here and cleanses us from our sins and we our responses go, Sweet, I can live it up and sin some more. You're gonna end up right back where you came from. Sin kills us. That's we've made that clear, right? Obviously. That's why we needed Christ. It was our sin that separated us from God. It was our sin that that doomed us for eternity. We repent because we are turning from what brings us death. And if we do not, it will undoubtedly bring death to us once again. See, repentance is not a one-time deal. It's not a bow your knee, say this prayer, and then boom, you're good for life, move on and settle it. Repentance is a lifestyle, it's a decision. Every day. Matthew 3, 7 through 10, the words of John the Baptist. Says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his, bab- coming to his baptism, he said to them. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to from these stones raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear, bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire." See, John the Baptist is taking on the Pharisees here. They are righteous in their own mind, righteous in their own eyes, maybe even righteous to some of the people that look at them, but they are sinful within. And what does John the Baptist tell them? He says, "...bear fruit in keeping with repentance." This speaks of an action that takes time, that takes cultivation, that takes reputation, that takes a continuation of something. How many know a plant does not bear fruit without time, effort, and care? You can't just plant an apple tree in your backyard and then forget about it forever and expect to have apples. And we do not bear fruit from repentance without continually making the effort and the practice of repenting. Because repentance is a lifestyle of a Christian. It is a daily picking up your cross. It is a repentance is dying to oneself. Repentance is being aware of yourself and your sinful natures and turning from it. You see, over time, our downfalls might change, right? We, we, we get saved and we're like, man, I really struggle with boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. And then you're like, I know I need to repent of these things. I know I need to turn away from these things because they're killing me, right? That's, I, I, I get it now. And you repent from one, two, and three, but three years down the road it might be four, five, and six. And we're still focused on one, two, and three. And that's a good thing. But we're so focused on what we used to struggle with, what we used to worry about, that we forgot, we didn't even realize these new things that have creeped in, and there's no repentance towards these issues. See, over time, who we are, what we struggle with, the battles we fight, they may change. And they may look different for us. But we must see them for what they are, which is spiritually deadly. And we must turn from them quickly. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that we can, 2 Corinthians 7.10, have godly grief that produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. And we make it a lifestyle, as John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, 8, and bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Or as Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance is a crucial part of our walk With God. It is a daily decision, even an hourly decision, depending on what you're dealing with. Probably hourly would be a safe bet for just about everybody. Repent so that you may be saved. Continue to repent so that you may stay saved. Continue to repent so that you can bear fruit in God's kingdom so that you can be successful in the life that he's called you to. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening.